Welcome to Confronting Christian Culture, a podcast where we address the issues found in old lessons and expectations. If you have a lesson you would like us to address, you can email us at confrontingchristianculture at gmail.com. Hello everyone, welcome to Confronting Christian Culture. I'm your host, Jory, and with me today is Ethan, who is a viable candidate for ministry. Ethan, say hello. Hi, Jory. Uh, So, Ethan, what topic do you have for us? So, uh, it's one of my favorite topics because I think that uh, the debate surrounding this topic, and, and, and even more sinisterly, the the kind of non-debate so the things that everybody just sort of assumes are true surrounding this topic uh contribute to all kinds of really bad things in the church and in the world when christians are getting involved and that topic is the word of god you know what what is the word of god well i can tell you my understanding my what i was always taught was the word of god was the bible you know. Yes, yes, I've heard that as well. Yeah. How? What, well. what did you? What did like? Is that what you were taught at, at an early age? That's how I know what I was always taught. Um. Yeah. I think that my. So. So the short answer is yes. I think. I think that's what I was taught too. My kind of Christian formation growing up is um, uh, a kind of a hodgepodge of things, and so uh, on one hand, you know, I I had a, a and still have a very um, devout, but also very open family, you know, and, and that uh, of Christian people who my parents encouraged a ton of questions and encouraged, uh, you know, a lot of, of um, uh, bravery when we approach the Bible and when we ask these questions and my parents were always doing research and, and, and so was I. And then I was also involved in some kind of evangelical stuff kind of off to the side a little bit and, and, and involved in some other things. And so I, I don't want to say that it was ever like hammered home, like this book here, this is God's living word, you know, like I think it was one of those sort of assumed things or, or the people that we were reading, like the other books that we were reading mm-hmm. assumed that. And so we just kind of, we just kind of went with it. We didn't, we didn't really question it. I do remember there was um, a a moment that really stands out to me in my formation. I might've been, oh gosh, 15 or 16. And I was at a, at a Christian, one of those evangelical festivals. Anybody who's done, anybody who's listening, that's uh, an evangelical knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, they're, you go to a to a field, then there's a there's a stage, <laughs> or you go to you go to the Bryce Jordan Center, and there's a stage or or something, um, and then there's bands and speakers and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I remember being at one when I was fifteen or sixteen, and and the speaker was this was this woman um, who he was very evangelical. She's she's you know, very, very that way, like very, you know, bing, bang, boom. As I reflect on her, I think she might have actually been more fundamentalist than an evangelical. I think mm-hmm. that she, she, you know, in certain ways, in certain ways. 
and and she i remember she brought up her bible and she said you know very seriously very intensely she kind of put her hand on the bible and in front of the whole crowd and she said every single thing you will ever need to know is in this book if it's not in this book you just don't need to know it's so, that simple friends so do you pay taxes I, I do. Don't, I, I don't. Do. I don't. I didn't learn taxes when I read, you know, the book of Joshua. I didn't learn anything right. about taxes or anything. Right. Right. <sighs> I also. I also love my wife, which is there's not a ton of, of material in the Bible on how to love your wife. Yeah. But uh, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, like like and that that's a standout moment to me. Like mm. that that was that a moment I bought. Like was that a moment I was like, she's right. God damn it. That no no that was definitely. I wouldn't consider that, but that was a standout moment that did not feel unusual, you know, yeah, at the time. I, if you I know can, what I mean. Yeah, I do. I also went to some of those kind of events and also remember not a particular person. I just, it's just the mentality. It was, this book is the word of God. You're not allowed to change it. You're not able to change it. It has, I know there's like a, you know, I, I know even in my own circles there are people who would argue for the inerrance, uh, inerrancy of it. Like it's it's mm-hmm. complete, like every single pen stroke is divine compared to other people who would say that it's, you know, man written, but God inspired. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Ethan, where did this idea come from? Like where where do you think it came from? Because I I don't know. Like what where are we supposed to go with this? Yeah. So like, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, I know there, so one of the things that, that was really important to me, I'll speak really personally, that was really important to me when I, when I started researching some of this or, or learning some of this, like when I went to seminary and things Mm -hmm. like that was um, you you sort of learn two things when you start to study the Bible uh, in like higher education, provided you're not going to like, a Bible college or, or I don't, I guess I don't know. Maybe you learn this in Bible college, but I, I, I doubt it. Um, you start to learn a, that, that the Bible, just like any other book has a history and that, that there are um, many, many authors over many, many periods of time over lots of translating over Um, lots of people who read something and then said, "Mm, I don't know about that. And then erased it, you know, (laughs) like like all of that, um, you know, forms the Bible. Right. Mm -hmm. And so right away, you know, when, when you learn that, um, if you kind of, the, the folks who kind of have that every pen stroke is, is, you know, kind of divine, like, right away you kind of have to scramble a little bit and try to figure out, okay, well, what does that mean in relation to this? Um, and so you learn that. So if, if you get to seminary, if, if you get to seminary and you've never studied the Bible in, you know, from like a higher education perspective, eventually you're going to, you're going to learn that you're going to learn it in seminary and the seminary, the seminary new and, and old Testament professors are going to be like, no, no, this is kind of how it is, you know, like, 
there is no one book of Isaiah. There are three books of Isaiah that make up one book of Isaiah, have at it, you know, and yada, yada, yada. Um, but the other thing you'll learn, and this was really another thing that was really important to me, was that while, the his, while these kind of historical things about the Bible might not have been something that the early church knew about necessarily, nobody in the early church thought that the literal words of the Bible were like out of the mouth of God. You know, like, like mm -hmm. that's another really important thing for me to learn was that, you know, you have these folks who are writing commentaries, you know, in the first couple of centuries of the church on the scripture and their commentaries are, are, are really artful and poetic and, and, and spiritual and allegorical. And, and, and they're not working under the assumption that the literal words of the scripture are, are, um, uh, like what that lady I talked about yeah. is saying, like, like, exactly as they are written 100% totally true only as they're written. Yeah. I mean, it just in that, that idea alone, like you have to then say, well, what about translations? Like all the different translations, mm -hmm. it ruins that. Exactly. Exactly. But, but exactly. Like, yeah. so, so when we talk about like fundamentalists, mm -hmm. there's a difference between like fundamentalists and evangelical. Sometimes they overlap, but there's ultimately a difference. One of the things that is true of a lot of fundamentalists, at least in this country, is their commitment to the King James Bible. Yeah, you know, it's the King James Bible, friends. King James Bible—that's the whole—that's that's the real Word of God. And that's I'm the like, one Jesus wrote. That's the one Jesus wrote. I was like, okay, well, what what was the church doing prior to 1475? Like, like what was the church? What was the church doing before King James? in England to authorize the <laughs> the translation of the Bible. Like what were they were they reading something not not the word of God? Like like what was going on? Yeah. And so I think a lot of times um folks kind of either have to live in a sort of a state of not knowing some of that historical stuff. Mm-hmm um and so therefore okay with it or or they kind of have to keep qualifying right like sometimes another thing i heard maybe you've heard this too is well well it might not be the it might the literal it might not be it, coming down from heaven on a platter word of god but maybe maybe the holy spirit inspires yeah. the authors right yeah which is, you know, I understand that, sort of. I do, sort of. Like, like I don't think it's totally out there. But, but, but that once again, that's also not really something you get from the scripture, which, which sort of makes us all kind of funny. Um, I don't mean to babble, but like one one thing that I always found interesting about folks who who kind of work under this assumption is that uh, this is an extra biblical idea. You know, the idea that the Bible is the literal word of God is not in the Bible. That's not that's not a biblical notion. That's that's an extra thing that they that they've imported in. And um, and it's funny because that extra thing that's imported in uh, is really the only thing 
in sort of their mind that makes the Bible sort of worth reading, which is, which is kind of, kind of odd, I think. Like I, I just did a, a class not too long ago on the Torah and as I was teaching it and, and, you know, re-researching everything, one thing that popped out to me in Deuteronomy was that the book was written like to completely change your viewpoint of the promise of God from the first four books onward. The idea was Deuteronomy was written at the, after Israel had been exiled from the land. And so the rabbis and the scribes were questioning saying, how could we have fulfilled God's commands and how could we have fulfilled the, the promise God gave us? And how could he be all powerful if we've been kicked out of the land? God has always been tied to the land. How does this explain it? You read Deuteronomy, it suddenly changes everything from inhabiting the land being the focus to obeying God's commandments and obeying God's laws. And so it, we can see like the scribes were like writing up being like, we need to adjust the way we view things. Um, and I think in Deuteronomy is the first time we see something where it talks about like not changing the word of the Lord. Um, I know we see it in Proverbs, um, uh, but like it's, it talks about changing the word of the Lord, changing God's word, but it's never really referring to the, the written page. It's always right. referring to like the divine message God's given us. Uh, so the scribes would argue that like, we haven't altered the word. We've understood it better. We've understood it under, understand God's word as in following his laws, commandments, decrees, and hopes for Israel, not just inhabiting a specific place of land. Um, and that's where we see in Deuteronomy. And I mean, I would say like, I know I've, I've, I've been told like in Luke somewhere, let me look, uh, Luke 11, it talks about, you know, God said, Jesus referring to uh, blessed are those who hear the word of the, hear the word of God and, or I'm going to look it up now. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's always about hearing it and not, not just like reading it off the page, not about the written book or at that point scroll. And so if we can understand the word of the Lord or the word of God, not being the book, not being this, you know, this Bible that, you know, is just the Greek word for book, uh, this, this, uh, com- uh, the, this, this group of writings as the word of God, what should we understand the word of God to be other? Is it just these divine messages or is there something more to it that we could look into? Right. Right. So, that's really the key, isn't it? I mean, it, it's funny. The, the issue, the, the primary issue I have, let, let, me, let me speak very kind of candidly. The primary problem and issue I have with like now, like as an almost 30-year-old, you know, I was a pastor. I'm doing thing, other things now. Like I'm an adult. Like I'm a human adult who's trying to follow Jesus. Like, like my problem now with, the like like that the the woman you know mm-hmm. in from the festival is it is demonstrably true that the bible is not infallible like like mm-hmm. it, it's it's obvious 
well, of course the Bible is wrong on things. Uh, it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that that like the Bible doesn't have stuff. How do I want to put it? It doesn't mean that the Bible isn't something that I take seriously. You know, not at all. But but like, but but like the Bible is obviously wrong about things, or the Bible is obviously uh, so so like the so the world some of the worldviews of the Hebrew Scripture include a flat Earth. Okay, well we know that's not true. We know the Earth's not flat. We know it isn't. You know, we we've seen pictures, and people have and people have left the Earth and looked at it and said, "Oh, look at that! It's not flat." You know, like like we know it's not. Uh, or we know that that the some of the accounts of the scripture conflict and contradict some of the mm-hmm. theology and and ethics of the scripture are are lots of different voices, mm-hmm. and so to kind and that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And and so to say that that the Bible is the word of God because it is inerrant is ridiculous. Like like that's not that's not true. On the other hand, and I'm getting to my point, on the other hand, like, I do want to say that the word of God is inerrant. <laughs> like, I do want to say the word of God. Of course, the word of God is inerrant. It's out of God's mouth. Of course, of course it is. That's why the Bible can't be the word of God, because, because it, it's sort of demonstrably not inerrant. Um, and also the here's the kind of coup de gras. Also, the Bible isn't the word of God because the Bible already tells us who the word of God is. <laughs> so so what does the Bible, what does the Bible claim to be the word of God? I would say, well, if you're looking at the Hebrew Bible, I would say often uh, when the Hebrew Bible talks about God's word, it's a prophetic word. It's a mm-hmm. word that comes upon somebody, you know, and, and then somebody delivers that word. So when, when the word of God comes upon the prophets, the prophets speak. You know, when the word of God comes upon Amos, Amos speaks and, yeah. and boom. So there's that. Um, but like from the New Testament perspective, First John tells us that Jesus Christ is the word of God. You know, just First John says uh, in the very first chapter that the word becomes flesh, you know, and that the word is God and and was God in the beginning and all things are made in and by the word, you know, all this really great stuff. Uh, and then, and then quite, quite clearly tells us in the gospel of John, Jesus Christ, that is the God's word. Mm-hmm. And, um, and on one hand that complicates things because, um, well, Jesus Christ isn't on earth right now, you know, in bodily form. (laughs) And so that complicates things. Uh, And also, and and I think that when, when you meet fundamentalists or evangelicals who are, you know, the Bible is God's word, it's inerrant, it's all that stuff. When you confront them with that, well, no, Jesus Christ is, is the word of God. They begin to sense um, how complicated it becomes because it's a very easy worldview to just sort of say, if it's in the Bible, it must be true, mm-hmm. even, even when the Bible has loads of contradictions. But it becomes an increasingly more difficult thing when you say, no, God's word is a person. And perhaps... Um, 
the scripture should be read uh, in light of and up against Jesus of Nazareth, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and things like that. Um, I got into an argument with my former secretary once, who is a biblical literalist. You've gotten into arguments with secretaries before, right? Yeah, I think it's very I think common. I think, I've, I think I've heard about that. Um, join us in another episode of another show sometime, Mystery. Uh, um, but uh, I, where we talked about this exact thing, and and I said, well, no, Jesus Christ is the word of God. It says so in scripture, and 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 the church has affirmed that, and it's that's the word of God, not the Bible. And and her her like big response to me was, aha! But where do you first learn about Jesus Christ? Hmm? And I said, the same place that every Christian has ever first learned about Jesus Christ, from the movement of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know? From from yeah, yeah. from the movement of the Holy Spirit and the Christian community. Yeah, who might use the Bible to to um, share, you know, who Jesus is, but. Uh, but like the first Christians, they just learn about Jesus from the people who knew him. You know, like <laughs> they didn't learn about it from the Gospels of, yeah. of anything. And and I want to just say that that's, I think that's just the case always. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it's an illusion, a little bit that that the Bible is sort of the foundation. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's the illusion because we not every Christian has had the same human teacher. We've not all had the same like we, we haven't had it, but if we have something that has been passed on through generations through generations, we can say, Oh, that's where we get it from and we right. start holding up something that should honestly it's just a tool. It's something mm-hmm. that we are to use that to, to help us understand who God is so we can start. It, it's, it's just a collection of stories that a collection of stories for us to better understand who Christ is, who God is. And I, I think, right. I do think we, uh, we elevate it too highly at times. Yes. And, and like, and I get it, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to disrespect the Bible. That mm-hmm. seems like such a weird thing to say. Yeah. But but like I don't want to disrespect it. I I want to put the Bible in its proper place. Like I I want to I want to so um I have a colleague uh who might I guess be a former colleague now uh who is uh more of a fundamentalist than I am. Mm-hmm. And uh often would yell and bitch. Can we bitch? Can we say that on yeah, your podcast? Yeah, we can. I have explosive yeah. song. It's fine. Fair enough. We could yell and bitch. He, he would yell and bitch and complain about us progressive pastors and our lack of biblical preaching. And finally, I took him to task on it. And I was like, I uh, am prepared to pay you all the money I have if you are able to find one sermon in three years that does not use the biblical text as the primary starting point for what I'm preaching on. You know, bit no biblical preaching. What are you talking about? Like, I only preach from the Bible. That's the only thing I can do and and will do. Um, what what I think he's trying to say is, uh, 
how come when you preach, you don't say, I am literally reading the words that come out of God's gullet. You know, the great sky bully has breathed this word into the world and then using this number two pencil, jotted it down on a piece of legal yeah. pad for us. Like, like, and I think that's really what he's trying to get at is he's upset that I'm not, um, you know, worshiping the book. Um, which, which is, which is then the other piece. Um, why I think this is really important. Um, you know, Christians are not called to be worshipers of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we might be called to be worshipers of the Word of God. Yes, I would agree with that. And and that's what makes us complicated. Yeah. Because because when we start to kind of refer to the Bible in those ways suddenly we we are we are naming this historical book this thing that has a history that is composite that has a number of of sources we are naming this thing divine yeah uh, like no 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 yeah that's not good <laughs> that is not good <laughs> right <sighs> I, and like just to hit your point i'm like it for i know some people would probably be like okay well, it says it in john but john is very symbolic you know it, it also right. talks about jesus being the first and the foremost and being the word of god in colossians and in revelation <laughs> like it, yep. it does talk about like you know jesus christ that is the word of god that is the the first the the un not the non-created that is the word of god like this is the important thing but we do uh yeah i would say we definitely elevate the collection of stories poems of uh, collection of revelations and collection of of arguments that I would i would say that that we've created into this book yeah. and and we we elevate it to the point of divine Mm-hmm. And, and one piece of erotic poetry. Oh well, yeah, gotta gotta include the erotic poetry. That's the good stuff. Which is honestly, I am so sad that like uh, throughout my time in ministry, I've never really gotten to like do a sermon series on the Book of Solomon. I would love to. That'd be so good. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Nobody wants the uh, nobody wants the literal words. Then let me tell you, nobody's looking for that. No, no. You know, one of the best uh, biblical commentaries I've ever read was a commentary written by Gregory of Nyssa. I have it uh, on the Song of on the Song of Songs on the Song of Solomon. Yeah. And and Gregory of Nyssa interprets that entire book as a dialogue between the triune God and the soul of of the human being. And and I mean like is it well it depends on what you're asking like of yeah. course not like nobody they wrote it to get off like that was that was why it was written but like but like Gregory of Nyssa has this just beautiful Christian interpretation of it you yeah. know that is that that is not a literal interpretation it's it's a it's an allegorical one that you know it, it speaks of the soul's ascent into the beloved of God you know and. Yeah, it's a little erotic, but like yeah. it's it's also. But I also go, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, you know, like like you, know, I I can dig it. I can dig it. Yeah. Fourth century Christianity. What do you, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? So, Ethan, uh, 
this lesson you were taught, I, I, I think we've answered it, but like this lesson you were, we were taught of, of the Bible being the word of God. Are you going to hold on to that? <laughs> I don't think you're, Ooh. I don't think you're holding on to it right now. <laughs> like, no, I think, no, no. <laughs> I think, I think your points are much more accurate, especially even like biblically more sounded of being like the word of God is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there are things that Jesus Christ doesn't say or do. Yeah. You know, that, that um, are in the Bible. I just want to make clear, like Mm -hmm. I I did a sermon once on that where I I really tried to, I really tried to illustrate that where I tried to demonstrate which bit, which laws Jesus was breaking. Mm. You know, let's talk about, let's talk about the old Testament laws that Jesus is breaking in this moment. And I brought them out and, and I'm like, but he is like, and I, and I really made my people confront that. I was like, yeah. he is, I'm not making it up. He's not a magician who's getting around it. He's, he's breaking the, the words of the Hebrew Bible here. Um, that doesn't, we should not come to the conclusion. Therefore we can ignore the Hebrew Bible. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But we should come to the conclusion that reading the scripture is not as straightforward as read the words and do what it says. Like, like that's, it's not that simple. Yeah. Um, so I do want to say this, Jory, mm-hmm. and, and maybe we, we could talk more about this. Um, I think that, that, and I alluded to this at the beginning, I think that this is catastrophically important. Yeah. Um, not just so that we don't make an idol out of a book, which, which we do not want to do. Um, but I think it's catastrophically important because currently there are really, really powerful people who, who have gained their power and who are using their power under the assumption that, um, the literal words of this book come from the mouth of God. Um, these are people who are attempting to roll back LGBTQ rights because they believe that the three or four verses in the entire scripture that might have something to do with homosexuality, even though they do not, <laughs> um, you know, uh, say they should roll them back because they mm-hmm. believe they're coming directly out of the mouth of God. These are folks who want to bring back and continue to bring back the federal death penalty because they say, hey, there's capital punishment in the Old Testament. Let's murder some people. You know, the, these, these are people who are not entirely sure that slavery is bad. Not like a hundred percent convinced, you know, like, like they're like, it might be bad, but because there seems to be slavery in the Bible. And so like, for me, um, I don't even want to entertain kind of calling the Bible, the word of God in in some way, you know, because I think it's catastrophically bad. Yeah. I, I agree. That is, Yeah. I've actually encountered some of the people about the slavery issues and which I know for many readers might sound apps or listeners might sound really crazy. Like that people are using the word of God or the Bible really, but they're claiming it to be the word of God. They're using the Bible as the reason why slavery is okay. 
uh, and they, and no, this isn't new. Like I know there, this was in the during the civil American Civil War. Like the South was very much preaching that slavery was a God given right, uh, and yeah. they used the Bible the entire time during the entire war. They used the Bible to uh, lead to to justify slavery and to justify justify the oppression of African Americans and to justify the oppression of Black people. And anybody who wasn't white, because I think they claimed they had the mark of Cain. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. they... More yeah. made up stuff. Yeah, more made up crap. Like, it's it's ridiculous. And and it's... Oh, yeah. And I'll agree with you. The, the claiming the Bible to be the word of God, and you could even hear, like, I messed up there. Like I said, the word of God and meant the Bible. Because I know, I, it's, yeah. something, it's something that's like been... In, we've been told repeatedly since i since i was probably five mm-hmm. and so you know 25 years of being told something and then you you know start actually reading the bible and start actually following christ and saying like oh wait actually if i want to follow christ i have to break some of the rules in the bible yeah yeah and for many people that's uncomfortable and you know but that's fine because Christ doesn't call us to be comfortable. Nope. The word of God does not call us to be comfortable in this era. He calls us to be radical and change things and make things better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, when the word, it was one of my favorite things from my New Testament professor. Uh, my New Testament professor constantly called Jesus the word of God. Mm. You know, it was always, so when we were reading the gospels, she would, she'd always, she'd, sometimes she'd be like, what's the word of God doing today? You know, and, 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 you know, we, we'd get to something in Mark or whatever. Hmm. So the word of God enters a town today, you know, and, 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 you know, we're not reading the word we're, we're reading about the word. Yeah. And, um, and I remember she said, uh, remember, remember what the gospel teaches us when the word of God sweeps into your town, he comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. And and uh, and and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, that's you know, I lo- that that's nice. <laughs> when the word of God enters your town, you know, and and uh, and and it's it's important. It's it's yeah. it's good. Um, so I do want to. This is a funny story, and and might be worth chatting about for a little bit. Because, uh, so I'm in a class. Uh, I, so listeners, I'm I'm currently back in school. I'm working on a PhD in Christian theology and, and I'm, I'm very, very pleased and humbled to be able to do it. And I'm in a class right now on uh, the Swiss 20th century theologian, Karl Barth, who, who is not my favorite theologian. Um, he's very important though. And uh, some of the stuff I really want to study is, is pretty darn connected to some of his stuff as well. So that's why I'm in this class. And we're reading large, big segments of his work. He, he wrote this giant work called The Church Dogmatics. And we're just, in the class, we're, we're reading just hundreds and hundreds of pages of The Church Dogmatics. And uh, on Monday, we had a class, um, and we read about 70 pages uh, of his on this subject, on, on the Word of God in the Bible. And so Karl Barth is Protestant theologian. He's writing in the 30s. 
And and he wrote, I'm not going to dive super headlong into his argument, but he writes in, in this part of the church dogmatics, um, we can call the Bible the word of God. And, uh, and this is why. And so Karl Barth's like, I want to make a couple of things clear. I am not a biblical literalist. I am not a fundamentalist. I, I buy all of the historical, you know, critical stuff. Like, I know, like, I'm not a fool, you know, like, <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. But, but he, he says, um, God uses the human words of the Bible as an occasion to speak. Mm-hmm. And so Bart actually says it might be more correct to say that the Bible becomes the word of God or, mm. you know, in, in an event, like in, in the present, you know, like or the Bible um, has the word of God rather than rather than is. And so do the, are the literal words of the Bible God's word? No, not unless God is speaking in the moment in the text, you know, like. No, you know, it requires some, some different things. He, he makes a, a really kind of clever analogy where he says, just as, because he affirms that Jesus is the eternal word of God. He affirms that. He's like, Jesus Christ is, of course, the word of God. But just as God speaks God's word in the human flesh of Jesus, so can God speak God's word in the humanity of the Bible. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, that's, that's a very lovely argument, and, yeah. and I quite like it. And I said in class, I just don't care. You know, I just don't think – I just – and I said it. I was like, I just don't think this is doing a ton of work. Like, like even, even though I think that this is fine, and I think that, that Bart has presented a way of saying this that is not wrong – I just don't know what like theological work this is doing. Like, what do we gain from yeah. this? You know? Yeah. And now my professor is my advisor in this class. And he is this very, very great British theologian named Paul Jones. And Paul Jones is a, is loves Bart. And so he's a little distressed. He's, I can tell that he's a tad distressed, you know, and, and, uh, uh, fun fact. Paul Jones's wife is from Reading, Pennsylvania. Oh, weird. When he told me that, I was like, "You really?" And she, he's like, "Yeah, I know. Reading's a shithole." <laughs> and I'm like, "You're not wrong, friend. You're not wrong." Sometimes I go to the BJ's in Reading when I'm hanging out with my family, <laughs> but that's about it. Um, I, I have other Reading stories that one day I'll tell him. But anyway. He's uh, he's a little distressed, and he's like, "Well, I quite, you know, I quite like. I'm going to try to do a British accent. I quite like what Bart is doing. Yeah, I think it's, I actually think it's rather, rather uh, fascinating." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I think it's fine, but like, you know, it's, it's not. We don't gain anything. Well, what do you mean by that? What, what, what do you mean we're not gaining anything?" And I'm like, "Well, I mean, so one of the things Bart does is Bart likes to throw away Christian." sounding words like christianese yeah when he doesn't think they're effective anymore and so like the tradition so bart is a little notorious for in his work not using the traditional language for trinity and incarnation 
Hmm. Bart doesn't Bart doesn't like to talk about the human and divine natures. He doesn't think those words mean a ton. He he still buys the content. He yeah. just he just tries to reframe the language. Okay. Um and he actually ends up talking about the incarnation as as the point of an axis. And so he talks about the this is a totally side knowledge completely, but he talks about how you have the 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 working out of human history you know, on the mm-hmm. x-axis, and then the divine descent on the y-axis, and then the point is Jesus Christ, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and so found in, in Jesus of Nazareth is the divine and human movements, and, and, and I'm like, hmm, okay, you know, like, uh, I see it, but whatever, but in, for his conversation, he loves the Trinity, he just doesn't, he doesn't think the word person means what it's supposed to mean now, Mm-hmm. because you know bart's right in the 20th century it's similar for us now bart's like what is a person but like its own individual state of consciousness do we think that the trinity is three individual states of consciousness and we go no and bart's like yeah <laughs> you know, so so he doesn't like to use the word person and so he talks about the trinity in, in, in very different ways anyway okay. i bring that up i was like Maybe my problem with, with Bart's use of the word of God in, in the Bible is a similar reason that Bart doesn't like some of the old Trinitarian language. I just don't think the language means what he wants it to mean. And, and I don't think that, and I think that, there, that, that by and large, we need new ways of saying it because the language has been hijacked and it doesn't work. And Dr. Jones is like still really distressed. And he's like, well, I mean, I guess I've never thought of it that way. Like I've not considered that that's a, that's a possibility. I'll really have to think about that. But like, are you talking about fundamentalists? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, they're fucking lunatics. Like, why are we, why is this what he said? He's like, they're fucking lunatics. Why do we care what they think? Like, like they're, they're just over, let them over there do crazy things. Like nobody cares what the fundamentalists are doing. We don't have to reckon with them. And, and everybody's kind of quiet. And I'm like, Paul, the vice president of the United States. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible has words that came out of the mouth of God. Yeah, we the have vice to president them. thinks that. And and I said all that, and Paul, Paul Jones, Dr. Jones got really quiet. Remember, we're all on Zoom. So, <laughs> so he's, he's, he's like sitting there on a Zoom. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a nice idea of like, you don't have to address them. You don't have to deal with those people if they were just a small group that had no real power. Right. But they are a major political force. They are. They are. They, and they seek to become yeah. larger. Yes. Yes. And it was funny. It was, he's like, oh shit. Um, well, <laughs> we don't have to worry about this in England. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you haven't thought about it, have you? <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I I think it's really that simple. I really do. Like, I I I don't I don't want to grant it to anybody. You know what I mean? And and I don't and I don't want to ignore it either. Like, because because of that exact thing, you know, the, it's it's mobilizing political might. 
you know, mm-hmm. and so we're able to take this very, people are able to take this very wrong thing that when it's not paired with power, it is just silliness. You know, it's, it's, it's like QAnon, right? Like QAnon is just silly. It becomes not silly if it's paired with political power. Then it yeah. becomes, oh, shit, you know, now we've got a problem. Yeah. But I think it's very similar. Like, like this is because it's paired with political power. We've got a problem now, you know, mm-hmm. that. And so we must, you know, for, for theologians and biblical studies, people and pastors and, and really anybody who are doing this work, who are, who are writing things or preaching things or, or doing Bible studies or whatever. Um, we must engage, we must deconstruct, we must break down and be like, no, get that out of your brain. Yeah. You know, and it's not a matter of opinion either. Like, like we can't, we can't even grant that. Well, you know, this is what you think. That's what I think. No, 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 no. You, are you a follower of Jesus? Yes. Okay. Well then it is paramount that you are not an idolater of the of the text Yeah. and you need to not be. Because again, like looking at G- like what you said about your sermons that showing Jesus broke Old Testament laws, if you are an idolater of the text, you're going to be a a wedge in what Christ is doing, what Christ is trying to do in people in in people's ministries and in the world. You are going to hinder it if you are mm-hmm. focusing solely on the text. Right. Right. That's right. And, and so I, I, I think it's really important. I really do. Uh, and you know what, Jory, if I may, you know, and, and, and I'm curious what you think about this. I also think like affirming that Jesus is God's word is other than it being, cor- other than being true, like, like, <laughs> and, and correct. Like yeah. it, 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 it makes, it makes one's life so much denser and so kind of fuller and richer that the Christian life now is, is not about um, following a rule book, but like enmeshing one's life into a person, you know, and yeah. being, and, and, and allowing that person, not only, not only what we know of that person from the gospels, but like allowing the kind of mystical communion with that person to kind of move forward that, that suddenly now there is this sense of creativity and, and contemplation that, Mm -hmm. that we can take seriously. Yeah. You know, I feel like if your focus is on the text and, and what the word says and what, you know, or what the, the book says each word individually together what it all is like like ultimately you're following something that's dead Mm -hmm. Mm. or or even as bart might say you're you're following something that is not at the moment alive and not not now not it's it's hibernating it's not it's not active but if you follow christ if you follow the actual word of god you are following your, yeah, I would agree. Your life, your, your spiritual life, your physical life, it becomes more alive because what you're doing is focusing on somebody, someone, which is God that is alive, not just an ancient book. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think that you're, I think that you're right. I think Bart would, would say something like that too. Like for, not that I'm a Bart apologist, but like, 
Bart, Bart's whole thing is that God is an event. Yeah. You know, the event of God's coming, right? Right. Like that's, that is a, uh, uh, very important the bible as the static word of god can never be an event yeah you know it, it, it's just it, it's just then no you just pick it up just pick it up and read it and then you do it even yeah. though that's impossible that's yeah. thing. even though it's not possible to do that like even though you pick it up and just do it means that you're gonna have, get contradictory messages almost every time yeah yeah and that's know, yeah that, that's one thing that i'm probably gonna that might be another another day we can record another podcast episode we talk about because i've been seeing it everywhere recently uh pictures of of people being like when people say the bible is clear and they have like this picture of just like this hodgepodge of words and it just makes no sense but you can pick out like some words here some words there it's like yeah that's exactly what the bible is at times like it's it's not clear but we all but like i've i've fallen into it when i've preached been said i've said i know that i've said like oh well it's it's clear here that this is what it's saying but now i look back and i'm like i was an idiot i was I've said such that an too. idiot I've said that too. you know you do it for rhetorical effect right like, yeah, like listen but... to me you know no i know what you mean i know what you mean you can't just be like i don't know you know <laughs> this <laughs> week the by this week this passage is saying this to me and then yeah people are like oh, okay that i'm not going to listen to you right no it's com- it's complicated yeah. i get it i get it <laughs> Yeah, buddy. I don't know. I, I think, um, I think that that this shift in Christian life is is, is really deeply important. Yeah. You know, I think that the only reason that the kind of fundamentalists are are and the evangelicals uh, seem to have all kinds of people is, is it really boils down to their ability to wield power and their ability to you know, to, to kind of lay out a really easy sort of path. The fundamentalist wouldn't consider their path to be very easy. And, and, and in many ways, there aren't a million fundamentalists running around. It's, 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 a, it's a select group of, of cultish weirdos, you know. But, like, yeah. but from my perspective, it's all very simple. Just, just do what I tell you to do. You know, that's, that's a pretty darn simple, that's a pretty darn simple thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot different than saying, you know, allow Jesus of Nazareth to be, you know, the source of your life, like allow Jesus of Nazareth to guide you. Well, well, what does Jesus say? Well, Jesus says a hundred things. Yeah. Well, you know, well, can I get a list? I'm like, whew, you're going to be here for a while. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you just have to get to know him. Yeah. In order to in order to yeah. know how to do this. And I think that's very hard. I think that mm-hmm. it does not appeal to our um secretly fascist desires to to have uh to have a Fuhrer tell us what we're gonna do now. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you have a lesson you would like discussed feel free to tweet at CXCPod, that's C-X-C-P-O-D, or visit our webpage at anchor.fm slash confronting Christian culture.